Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. My co-host in this and next hour, and I miss being on with him, is Brad Bannon. Brad runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm that helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. He's a contributor to The Hill in Washington, D.C., and to MyTiller.com, the social media site for politics. He also is a lecturer in poli-sci at Salem State University in Salem, Mass. Brad, thank you for joining us. Welcome, and good to have you back, buddy, my co-host here on the only True Democracy and Talk Radio. Good to be back on with you, Leslie. Um, so many things to talk about, and I guess we should start. We're going to talk a lot of Trump, 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 uh, because there's always a lot of stuff to talk about with our president-elect, yes, and that is, is still hard for me to say. But uh, Donald Trump's cabinet picks, um, let's take a look at them, and more so, let's take a look at what they reveal. Does that sound good? Sure. And um, who should, let me see, who should we start with? Because uh, there's just so many. <laughs> so with the economic team, te- Treasury, and um, you want to do that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, 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 let's. Uh, well, wait a minute, because I got a list here. I want to make sure I go in order. Okay. So let me see. And you may have sent me this list, and so maybe it is the same. Uh, you know, order. Da 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 da. Okay. Let's. Um, Start with uh, Steve Munchen, right? Uh, President-elect uh, choice for Treasury Secretary, uh, a former Goldman Sachs guy. Yeah, and uh, today uh, the President-elect nominated the current CEO of Goldman Sachs to be director of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Uh, so, so much for releasing Hillary's speeches. Saying, <laughs> saying during the campaign that if uh, you vote for Hillary Clinton, we'll have an economic team dominated by Goldman Sachs. Well, he was right. I voted for Hillary Clinton, and we have an economic team dominated by Goldman Sachs. Um, I agree with you. I, I mean, th- but this this is what bothers me, okay? For people that say they don't want Wall Street, okay? The Bernie or Bust people that may have voted for Trump, okay? The people that don't like Hillary because they felt that she was in bed with Wall Street, okay? And, and don't want to look at the fact that this guy's a millionaire, billionaire, whatever the heck he is. If there's not the – if people say, look, I didn't vote for Trump – you know, when, you know, because of, you know, the mocking of a disabled person or the misogynistic remarks, the racial remarks, the anti-Muslim remarks, even building that wall, it was the economy. Um, are those people telling the truth because they're not outraged about these two individuals with their ties to Goldman Sachs? Uh, Well, uh, yeah, you're not telling the truth. Uh, The reality, I'm sure, uh, many of those uh, blue-collar workers uh, who live in Ohio and Michigan uh, are probably horrified that uh, he's basically uh, 
you know, picking, uh, cleaning the roster at Goldman Sachs to do, uh, to be in charge of his economic policy. But my guess is they love Trump and they'll stick with him, uh, as, you know, for a while at least. He gets a honeymoon period. But, you know, at some point, having this kind of cabinet is, is going to lead to economic policies that are a lot better for Wall Street than they are for your, uh, average uh, blue collar guy in Ohio or Pennsylvania. No question uh, about that. Um, so, but where where is the? I don't see much outrage. Is, is this guy just untouchable when it comes? You know, I mean, he's just allowed to do whatever, even when the masses are in disagreement. Well, uh, I think you know every president gets a honeymoon period. Uh, certainly, Democrats uh, in Congress have attacked his cabinet choices. But out there, I think uh, Americans uh, always give the president the honeymoon. Uh, and the question is, how how long will the honeymoon last? And my guess is it won't last long uh, with the kind of cabinet he's putting together. Okay. So uh, do we want to talk more about uh, these two individuals, or should we talk more about uh, some of the other individuals? Well, let me say one more thing about Munchkin. Uh, You know, this is a guy who was called on Wall Street the foreclosure king. And, uh, you know, there's one uh, instance where he foreclosed the mortgage and and took away the home of a 97-year-old woman uh, because she was like three days late making her mortgage payment. And if this is the kind of cabinet we have, Trump's going to have, uh, the folks who voted for him, especially in a Rust Belt, are going to be unhappy very quickly. Okay, we have less than a minute, so we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Brad Bannon. But we want to hear from you. So far, you've heard different names. We're going to be going over those names, the individual positions that they're going to be having, what those positions are about, what they're responsible for, and uh, what it really says, not only about Trump, uh, about this administration going forward and these individuals in these positions. Join us at 888-6-Leslie, 888-653-7543. We're back with Brad Bannon. We're talking about the Trump appointments. We talked about uh, two that are in the economic side of things, Steve Munchkin being one. Both of these individuals have Goldman Sachs backgrounds. One is currently the CEO. Uh, Brad, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, Let's continue uh, talking about um, these uh, appointments, and uh, let's take some calls and going to line three. Listening on TuneIn is Ishmael. Ishmael, good afternoon. Question or comment for our topic about uh, Trump's selection, his cabinet picks thus far. Yes, uh, Leslie. Hello, Leslie. Hello, Brad. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hi. Yeah, I, what I want to say, I hope the Democrats are digging trenches right now because every nomination that Trump has nominated is affecting their support. If you're looking at Justice Department with Jeff Sessions, that's a civil right. That's African American voice. If you look at the um, the Labor Secretary, that's a former um, CEO of um, uh, Hardee's and, and Carla Jr., who's against the minimum wage. If you look at the EPA, that man sued the EPA. He, he, he was against everything that the EPA trying to do. So the Democrats better be digging trenches right now and growing some bones and dealing with these nominations because this is affecting – every single nomination is affecting their voters. Well, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Mel. Uh, this is uh, – you know, the fact uh, the president-elect said a couple of weeks ago, 
I want people in my cabinet who made a fortune, uh, and that's what he's getting. Uh, we're talking about the super rich here. Not only did they, they make a lot of money or have a lot of money, but they gave a lot of money uh, to Trump during the campaign. Uh, we're talking, you know, some of these people gave up to a million dollars uh, for his campaign, and now they're getting rewarded. Uh, they have a lot of money. They gave a lot of it to Trump, and now congratulations, they're a cabinet official. Yeah, they're more like they they bought, they bought their, their, their position. And I think a lot of it also is just payback. There, there are other people who maybe advise them to get these individuals to be nominated to, to, for a favor or something they did to him. I think a Goldman Sachs, for example, maybe Goldman Sachs owe Trump some money. And by nominating and bringing people from Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs might, might cut him some slack on some deal or something. This, this, is, this is corrupt. This is not American. This is corruption at the highest level. And and our, our hope is a Democrat. They're the last line. We need to get in there, and we need Elizabeth Warren. Everybody, Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, you know, everybody need to make sure to let him know. And then do not vote for these people. Do not confer them. Don't give this man everything that he wants. He did not get a mandate. Yeah, very true. He did not get a mandate. Thank you, Ishmael. Although Republicans like to claim that he did, right, Brad? Uh, yeah, he claims he had a mandate. He's no, uh, he's going to lose the popular vote by about three million people. So the people, uh, so uh, Brad, 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 and I, I guess the other thing I'd like to say to Ismail is that you know Democrats can kick and scream as much as they want, but all these people are getting ratified. Uh, you know, getting their jobs. Uh, there are fifty-two uh, Republican votes in the Senate, and all fifty-two of them are going to vote for these people, and uh, that's all they need to uh, get ra- ratified. Okay. Um, uh, let's continue uh, talking about these, and if you want to join us like Ishmael did, give us a buzz, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Questions or comments regarding Trump's uh, appointees. Uh, you know, we were talking about the uh, Treasury Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Munchkin, and um, like Brad said, he is tapping yet another person, um, the CEO of uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, to be on his team. Uh, let's let's talk about... Um, Let's talk to people, not the people in line for Secretary of State. Let's get to that last because he hasn't decided. But he has decided on the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, who 30 years ago um, had testimony uh, that there was some racism, uh, two or three te- uh, testimony of people that maintain that still 30 years later to this day, that their testimony remains unchanged or, you know, what they said then, you know, is the same now. Um, and now he's going, you know, to be, uh, you know, up for uh, Attorney General. Talk to us about what Jeff Sessions, what this means and if it couldn't get by for him to be a federal judge 30 years ago, can he now, in a more diverse America, be attorney general with those people still around to be able to testify again? Well, uh, the short answer is, yeah, he's going to be attorney general. Uh, he has two things, you know, racist or not, he has two things going for him. He's a member of the Senate club, uh, and two, uh, he has uh, 52 votes in his pocket already, and that's all he needs. Uh, you know, as I said before, uh, Democrats are kicking up a fuss in Washington about these th- about these appointments, but there's really not a whole lot they can do about it because they don't have enough votes to stop them. Let's talk more 
Uh, Jeff, well, and it comes down to that, right? Uh, and, and we'll get to that yeah, about votes because everybody needs 51 votes and the Republicans have that uh, with their majority. So that leads me to a guy that needs more than 51 votes. He needs 60. Uh, that's General James Mattis. Um, this would be for Secretary of Defense. Um, normally, you have to be out of the military for a certain number of years. And that's why I break this down because this is sort of like a, a two-part vote. And do they have the 60 a, why is this a two-part vote? Why is this different? Uh, B, do they have the 60? And C, let's also talk about um, how Republicans, you know, want to shut the government down if Democrats don't, you know, reduce the number of hours of hearings, uh, you know, from, you know, 60 hours to 10, for example, for uh, this one guy, General James Mattis. Go ahead, Brad. Well, yeah, uh, you're right. The current federal law says uh, the de- Secretary of Defense uh, has to be out of the military at least seven years to qualify. Now, uh, General Mathis doesn't have seven years off the job, so uh, Cong- uh, Congress would have to vote him a special waiver. And that would take 60 votes in the Senate because you could filibuster it to stop. Uh, so uh, that's the big step, and there are a lot of people concerned uh, you know, our founding fathers very much wanted a separation between a, a civilian-controlled military. And essentially, if uh, General Mathis gets a job, he's fresh out of the Army, uh, and that basically violates the, the whole basis of the law, which is you should have a civilian uh, to run the Secretary of Defense so you keep civilian control. And, you know, the other thing I'd mention here is that General Mathis is only one of three Army generals he's picked for his cabinet so far. Uh, uh, the the uh, new Secretary of Homeland Security uh, is also an Army general. The uh, John. Well, wait, 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 Brad, you're jumping ahead because I really okay. want to go one by one so that people don't get confused because we have time, you know. Um, you know, that you're with me, uh, you know, for um, a couple of hours on this Friday. Um, let's go to Homeland Security and let's talk about John Kelly and more specifics about him. People may not know about him. Um, this this is actually a pick that is to the left of what people thought would Kobach was originally going to be in this position, which really scared people, especially those people who might be here undocumented. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, this is uh, a bit of a surprise, uh, but the reason I think Kelly got the job is that when he was in the Army, uh, he was the uh, commander of what the United States military calls the Southern Command, uh, which is Mexico, Central America, and South America. So he's familiar with uh, uh, Mexico and the problems at the border, and I think uh, that's why he got the job. Okay, again, on to more. Uh, Let's see. Next on the list we have, uh, well, HHS, Tom Price. What do we know about this guy? You know, Americans don't, you know, know all of these names and don't always know what somebody does in this position. The Health and Human Services Secretary, you know, head of HHS, uh, Tom Price. This is somebody who, like my husband's an orthopedic surgeon, uh, but, but this is somebody that has some very concerning uh, opinions uh, that he has laid out over the years. 
Well, yeah, he's uh, he is very conservative. In fact, he was the leader in the House. He's a member, currently a member of the House of Representatives from Georgia, uh, and he led the fight to repeal um, uh, Obamacare in the uh, in by you know there were fifty House votes where they voted fifty times to repeal uh, Obamacare, and uh, Price was uh, a leader in the effort. So his appointment was a clear signal from President-elect Trump that uh, Obamacare, getting rid of Obamacare, is going to be uh, on the front burner as soon as he becomes president, uh, because Price hates the whole concept of Obamacare, and I'm sure that's why he got the job. And uh, Medicare, Obamacare is deeply, is deeply threatened. Uh, yes, it is. Even though there are a lot of Trump supporters who benefit from it, over 30 million without a uh, proper transition um, would be left without insurance. And there really is no transition. Uh, there's a huge transition because they've got nothing to, you know, to, to transition to. There's really no replacement plan. No, they don't. And the problem that Republicans have is they can easily repeal Obamacare uh, because uh, under a special Senate rule called reconciliation, they can repeal Obamacare with 51 votes. Uh, the problem is, and the House will do it in a heartbeat, the problem is if they're going to replace Obamacare, that's very complicated, and they will need 60 votes in the Senate to do that because that would be new legislation. So if we get Obamacare repealed, and I'm pretty sure it is going to get repealed, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to those poor people who depend on Obamacare for their health insurance. There are at least 20 million people out there who right now have health insurance uh, because of the Affordable Care Act. And if the Senate uh, kills Obamacare, as they think they will, uh, those folks are going to be out of luck unless there's some kind of transition thing. Okay, more people, more uh, nominations, uh, and like you said, they do have the votes. Uh, ben Carson, this one I scratched my head around. Surgeon General, I would understand this guy's a neurosurgeon. Um, HUD, just because you lived in Detroit and you didn't live in public housing, but you could see it from your backyard, doesn't make you qualified. No, it doesn't. Uh, he is utterly unqualified for the job. I remember back a few weeks ago, he was under consideration for being uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services before they picked Congressman Price. And at the time, uh, he, Ben Carson came out publicly and said that he didn't think he was qualified enough uh, to serve in Trump's cabinet. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, Trump appoints him to be uh, HUD secretary. And again, I think the idea here is to... He's there's a common theme in all these appointments. All of these people who are getting cabinet appointments are very opposed to what their cabinet department does. Uh, you know, Carson wants to get rid of public housing uh, and uh, it, and the new uh, Environmental Protection Agency director uh, hates environmental protection laws. So he's appointing people who hate the thing they're cabinet departments are supposed to be doing, and uh, Carson's a good example of that. He'd like to get rid of all public housing. Uh, so, uh, you know, these are scary people. Yes, they are, most definitely. Uh, ben Carson, and especially when he said that he didn't think he was qualified for that position, you know, or to, you know, be really in a government position, he's certainly not qualified for this one. Uh, no, Betsy- he isn't. He has no administrative experience. I mean, 
HHS is an incredibly large bureaucracy. I know because I used to work there many moons ago. And this is a guy with no administrative experience, uh, seems generally clueless, uh, and uh, he's going to be uh, the guy who's going to run HUD. Uh, it's you know again I think. This is going to be a problem area because I really don't think Ben Carson's up to the job. And he said a few weeks ago he wasn't up to being a cabinet officer. So yeah. I'm not going to disagree with him. No, exactly. I don't understand unless it was – I'm not up to being a cabinet officer because that's not the office I want. Uh, uh, Secretary of Education will be Betsy DeVos, uh, Betsy DeVos and um, she has a huge uh, amount of problems. I mean this is somebody I think that, that wants to you know, just get rid of public education entirely and have everybody you know, taught the Bible at home in, in its place. Yeah. Uh, exactly. She has never had any experience with public schools at all, except to criticize them. And she's a big favor uh, in favor of voucher programs, uh, where you uh, give people uh, federal money if they so they can send their kid to religious and private schools. I think she's going to try to dismantle something that's taken 250 years to build, which is our public school system. And again, just a classic example, here you have the Secretary of Education who hates public education. Uh, you know, it's just really crazy. And the signal Donald Trump is sending with these appointments is the federal government is horrible and we're going to make it stop. And no one thinks about the services that these cabinet departments offer people. Uh, but you, uh, you know, DeVos is a cl- classic example. She hates public education. She comes from a family that is one of the largest uh, Republican fundraisers in the country. Um, I believe her family gave something like a million dollars to Trump during the campaign. Uh, and uh, it's a horrible cabinet appointment. Uh, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, there's some that, that stand out, and this is just one of them where you say, ah, you know. Um, Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, I don't know a lot about him. Certainly I can do Google like everybody else. Uh, tell us about him and, and why this is a concerning selection for this position. Well, Ross is another very rich businessman. Uh, he gave, and, and wait, 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 uh, let, me interje- let, me interje- let, let me interject. So it, somebody might say, playing devil's advocate, isn't that what we want in a Secretary of Commerce, somebody with that knowledge who was able to, uh, you know, be, you know, uh, profitable themselves, uh, you know, as a businessman? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's a successful, successful businessman, um, but he, you know, again, this classic example of, you know, he believes in a strong separation between business and government. And it seems to me the job of the Commerce Secretary is to make the two work together. So, so uh, the uh, federal government helps businesses, uh, but, you know, he seems the uh, Ross is uh, basically opposed to any kind of government role in, the, uh, in, in economic policy. And that's the whole point of being the Commerce Secretary is getting business and government to work together. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Talk Media News will be joining us. Brad stays with us for the next hour. We, we hope you'll join us as well. We're not finished going through the appointments, or uh, not the appointments, the nominations that Donald Trump has made uh, in his choices, his selection for his cabinet members. Uh, we want to get your take on it. 888 888-653-7543. Pick up the phone and join me. Tweet, follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. Back with Brad. Back with you right after this. Brad Bannon's in the house with me co-hosting. And Brad, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Always good to have you with us, buddy. Always a pleasure, Leslie. 
And um, Brad, in uh, last hour, and for folks that just tuned in now, let me tell folks again who aren't familiar with you, I think most people are in our listening audience, uh, you run Bannon Communications Research, you write, uh, you're a contributor to The Hill, um, also to MyTiller.com, and you lecture in poli-sci at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Brad, can I add something to my bio? You can add as much, you can make yourself the emperor of Spain if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just very short. Uh, I'm not related to Stephen Bannon, the uh, new oh. White House. Can I tell you something? When they picked him and the name Bannon came up with alt-right, white supremacy, and just knowing that man, I was just like, oh, God, I feel so bad for Brad right now. I- well, you know, I see these headlines. Bannon is white supremacist, and, you know, it sends out the wrong message about the company. Oh, God, yes, yes, it does. And it's hard to rename a company after all these years. Yeah. Oh, well, let me know what I can do, if anything, to help, buddy. Okay. you know I always have your back, right? Right. All right. No, I'm glad you said that. Whoa, I feel bad. I'm glad you said that. Though. Yeah, you can't believe the ma- emails I've got. The last really? Give us an example of one without nasty words. Uh... How can you sleep at night being uh, a racist and an anti-Semite? How about that? And, and, do, you, and do you say, oh, I'm not, I'm not, that's Steve, here's his email? <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, I return it saying, excuse me, I'm not related in any way to Stephen Bannon, and if, he, if I was related, and the other thing I say, I'm thinking of changing my last name, by the way. Uh, you really are, or you just tell them that? Oh, uh, just kidding. And what do they say? Well, they, they, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people out there <laughs> who uh, hate Stephen Bannon, who apparently have read Breitbart News. Uh, you know, I mean, he uh, has insulted Jews, uh, insulted Muslims, uh, he's insulted Mexicans. Uh, excuse me for saying so, but he's basically a racist uh, and an anti-Semite. And the fact that he is going to be the White House counsel should be horrifying to all Americans. I am one of those Americans that is horrified, and I agree with you. Um, let's continue our talk about Trump's cabinet picks because we got a lot of other things to cover in this hour. And by the way, folks, we want to hear your opinions, questions, comments, and concerns on this and all the issues we discuss in this hour. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is uh, the number. Um, we had left off on commerce. Let's go to transportation. Elaine uh, Chow. Um, Elaine Chow is Secretary of Transportation. Elaine Chow worked for, was it George W. or Daddy Bush? Didn't she work for one of the Bushes? It was George W., the second President Bush. And her position was then? And what do, what do we know about her and what was her track record then? Because this is one that they say will be the, probably the most easiest of confirmations. Well, yeah, I suspect so. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, she was uh, the second President Bush's Secretary of Labor for all eight years of his presidency. Uh, and she's got the same job uh, under President Trump, so it shouldn't be hard for her to pick up. And in terms of being confirmed by the Senate, uh, she's married to the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, so I don't think there's going to be any trouble there. Her past job, Secretary of Labor back in the day under the Bush administration, George W., as you said, uh, that has been given to Andy, is it Puzder? Uh, Yes. Uh, Oh, yeah, and he's, uh, you know, this guy is something. Here's a guy who's going to be uh, Secretary of Labor that hates labor unions, 
he's opposed to an increase in the minimum wage. And also, his company, Carl's Jr., uh, produces incredibly sexist commercials. But other than that, he's fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, like our president, you know, mocks the disabled, talks about grabbing, you know, uh, the, you know, the vagina. Uh, let me, let me see. Uh, wants to, you know, ban an entire religion, register people, you know, hello, you know, images of the Jews in the Holocaust and Japanese in America, uh, both in World War II. Wants to build a wall around our country. But other than that, he's a yeah. Other than that, guy. he's a. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Cheated on both. Cheated on his first and yeah. Cheated on his first and second wife. Told his second wife to get an abortion but now he's pro-life yeah but other than that nice guy all right let's, yeah it's uh, really i think a lot of people who voted for donald trump really don't know what they did uh but they'll figure it out in the next few months and then they'll no i honestly brad i think you're giving people you're letting them off the hook i think they know exactly what they did and i think that a bloomberg poll that showed a couple of days ago the fact that he's not planning to keep probably half of the campaign promises uh, doesn't matter to them and doesn't doesn't phase them uh to me shows that i do think some of the people who voted Voted for him. Voted for him based on uh, uh, racist, uh, misogynistic, uh, Islamophobic um, rhetoric, uh, divisional, well, yeah, uh, divisional, yeah, uh, vitriolic rhetoric. I do. Oh, I think you're right. I think some people did. Uh, but you know, right now is a president gets a honeymoon. Every president does. Uh, and the question is, I just how fear, long will the Trump honeymoon last? I fear his I honeymoon. I fear his long. honeymoon is going to last too long. I fear it'll last too long simply because he is one of those guys. You know, Bill Clinton. They said was Teflon. You know, this guy. I, I don't know what's what, what bounces. You know, no, he lies. Nobody, nobody, nobody holds him accountable. Well, yeah, that's he does. He's a great con man. Uh, he's the P.T. Barnum of our day. He'll say, you know, one thing uh, to people, and then while he's saying that behind his back, he's doing something completely the opposite. Uh, and he has. He leads a charmed life. He's been able to get away with it. But he hasn't been president in the United States, and I think it will be a little more difficult for him to escape accountability. Okay, let's look at some of the other positions, and some haven't been named. I mean, uh, agriculture, energy, the interior, that hasn't. U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, how do you feel about that? I don't hate this woman. Uh, By the way, interior got filled today. Oh, and that is? That is uh, Kathy uh, Rogers, who's a uh, Republican congresswoman uh, from the state of Washington. What do we know about her? What's good or bad about her in this position? Well, uh, she has a 4% positive voting record from the Conservation Law Foundation. Uh, She's terribly environmental, and the Secretary of Interior is in charge of of public federal lands, uh, and uh, she's going to start selling them off, and next time you go to a national park, there'll probably be an oil well there. Oh, God. Just a terrible uh, idea, but you know this. This this is what you know. This is what the electoral college wanted, not the majority of voters in America, and not the majority of Americans, because only forty six percent of those who could vote did. Uh, let's uh, talk about Nikki Haley, UN ambassador. I I was saying I don't hate this woman. Well, I think you know from what I see, uh, you know she's uh, been a effective of governor of South Carolina. The thing that bothers me is she has absolutely no diplomatic experience. And she is going to be our ambassador to the United Nations, uh, which requires a you know some 
diplomatic knowledge, and, you know, she doesn't have any experience in foreign affairs, uh, so I don't know how she can do the job. She'll do the job, but she'll probably do it badly. Um, I hope not. But I do. Well, I, I don't. I don't like. I agree with you. I don't like the. Le- uh, to do the job, you can't she have any foreign policy or national security experience, and she's going to spend a lot of most of her time uh, interacting with the other, uh, you know, UN members and the rest of the world. And uh, again, she has not the experience to do it. I hope she's a quick learner. That's my point, that she could be a quick learner, so therefore it may not be all doom and gloom in that position. Um, however, I agree with you that not having the experience, um, you know, definitely for me in all of these positions, hers as well as problematic. And the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, Scott Pruitt. Uh, this guy is a big oil and gas buddy, uh, buddy some people would say, in their pockets. Uh, this guy is um, pretty much an anti – how can you protect the environment if you're your EPA head – if you don't care about the environment? And I, I think that's the big question being asked um, by environmentalists today with the uh, well, Scott yeah, Pruitt a nomination. Well, question. Um, here you have a guy, a guy who's a climate denier. He doesn't believe that climate change is being caused uh, by humans. So in, that, so in his mind, you don't really need the EPA because there's not any uh, damage to the environment being caused. Uh, and his guy whose campaigns have been funded by big oil in Oklahoma, uh, and he's just going to strip the EPI, EPA uh, uh, bear. You know, if you don't like the amount of smog in uh, Los Angeles now, wait a couple of years after Pruitt's been running EPA for a couple of years. Air quality standards, forget about it. And, you know, this is funny. I thought this was funny because a couple of days before uh, President-elect Trump nominated uh, Pruitt to be the EPA administrator, uh, his daughter, Ivanka, had had this very high, you know, well-publicized meeting with Mr. Environmental Al Gore. And two days later, they turn around and appoint this guy uh, to run the EPA into the ground, which I think is Trump's intention, actually. And then, Le- and then Leonardo DiCaprio uh, was there, an- another huge uh, climate change um, uh, you know, uh, believer and, uh, you know, uh, fighting for, you know, science and for the truth and, you know, to stop what we well, see. Well, yeah, isn't it? and that's Trump's style. He makes these, he's very good at publicity. And so he has this, sets up his daughter to meet with Al Gore and Leonard DiCaprio, and then, you know, you get a lot of press, everybody knows about it, and people think, well, Trump must be uh, concerned about global warming himself. But two days later, he picks this guy, uh, Pruitt, to be the EPA administrator, who is a climate denier. And my guess is more people, a lot more people know that uh, Ivanka met with Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio than know anything about Scott Pruitt and his uh, anti-environmental record. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Secretary of State. We have some news, and then we go to your calls. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Hang on if you're holding. Call us if you haven't. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. We're co-hosting on this Friday. Hey, Brad, let's take some calls, shall we, darling? Great. Okay, sounds good. Uh, let's see. We started out with – oh, and I just want to uh, mention um, a couple of things real quick here. Secretary of State – which has not yet been announced. The names in the hat were Rudy Giuliani, John Bolton, Bob Corker, Mitt Romney, David Petraeus, Rex Tillerson, Lee Raymond, and John Huntsman. However, 
we just found out that there will be no cabinet post for Rudy Giuliani. Uh, This was just uh, reported by uh, CNN, and we're sharing that with you. Uh, Former New York uh, City Mayor Rudy Giuliani will not serve in Donald Trump's incoming administration. That's what Donald Trump announced today. The transition team released a statement today saying Giuliani removed himself from consideration for a position last month, a description contradicted by CNN reporting that the New Yorker was told he would not get the Secretary of State position this week. Quote, Rudy Giuliani is an extraordinarily talented and patriotic American. I will always be appreciative of his 24-7 dedication to our campaign after I won the primaries and for his extremely wise counsel. That's what Donald Trump said in a statement. He is and continues to be a close personal friend and is appropriate. I will call upon him for advice and can see an important place for him in the administration at a later date. In other words, may give him a different job than Secretary of State, okay? And if not, we'll write you checks out of my own personal account to advise me. Giuliani, yes, basically, yeah. yeah. Giuliani will stay on as vice chairman of the, there's there's the title for the check, vice chairman of the presidential transition team. Uh, both the statement of Giuliani himself in a phone interview uh, that he had with Fox News said the former mayor made the decision late last month. Giuliani was being considered as a possible pick for Secretary of State. Before we take the calls, uh, Brad, any comment on this? Is this a big whew, sigh of relief for we the American people? Well, it is, because here you have a guy who has absolutely no foreign policy experience, and, you know, he wants to be Secretary of State. I mean, what qualifies him besides the fact that he was a top Trump surrogate during the campaign? He has absolutely no foreign policy experience, which doesn't seem to matter in the Trump Trump, uh, cabinet. Uh, If you don't have any experience, hey, learn on the job. It's only the country we're talking about. Let's take some calls. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Let's start it out with Paul in Washington on line two, listening to our stream on Spreaker, a division of iHeartRadio. Paul, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Uh, what do you have to say about these Trump appointments no, hi, or, or nominations? Hi, Leslie. Hey, Paul. And uh, top of the season to you, Brad. Nice to talk to you again. Great hearing from you. Um, so, yeah, I think in general... Well, I was going to first comment on uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, Congresswoman from Washington State, as a uh, choice for Department of the Interior. Uh, she says she grew up picking apples in eastern Washington, uh, even though her father was not an apple farmer, but a school bus driver, a union school bus driver, but they had apple trees, so that makes her qualified, too. I guess if you're a conservative and you live in a rural area and you had an apple tree, that you're, 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 you're game for Department of the Interior. And she's married to a retired naval uh, man, uh, some sort of an officer. Uh, and she herself has really done little else other than uh, draw her, her salary from government. So she's one of those kinds that Republicans love to criticize when it's a Democrat. Never done anything but suck off the government teeth. Um, in terms of the rest of the picks, they all seem to have a, co- a common thing. They seem all to be uh, chosen for the department that they uh, have been uh, recently or, or within the past several years suing that department. So uh, you have to wonder. Um, the choice for EPA uh, from Oklahoma is always suing the EPA. It'd be like me saying, you know, if it, would it work in the, in the private sector if you decide, I'm going to sue Exxon continuously, therefore I should be appointed the CEO of Exxon? I mean, this is kind of what 
they're all designed to break every department in government. They've been doing, they've been attempting to do that through the courts. That seems to be the mo here. Brad, yeah, I I agree. Uh, I, you know this. You know what? Yeah, you know what I was thinking of as you were talking was. You know, this is the guy who said he was going to clean up. He was going to drain the swamp, clean up Washington. Well, his cabinet <laughs> is full of political insiders. A couple of Republican members of Congress, uh, two people uh, from who you, who were and are the uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs. Uh, you know, this is not draining the swamp. The new Trump cabinet is full of insiders, and uh, it's very troubling. And the other thing he said I think is very true uh, is he's picking people to these jobs, I think, with the intention of, you know, taking their departments out of business. I agree. Uh, Let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bandon. Who are you? If you're holding coming to you, if you're not, join us at 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. And, Brad, you were responding to something Paul had asked. Anything else to say to Paul in Washington's comments uh, in the last segment? No, I think Paul nailed it pretty well. I don't have much to add to it. All right, Paul, thank you very much for your call. And let's continue. Uh, We go to Jake in Eureka, California, line four, listening on KGOE Radio. Question or comment, Jake, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. I'd like to uh, discuss. Scott Pruitt, the uh, far right-wing Oklahoma Attorney General, who Donald Trump has chosen to lead the EPA. Scott Pruitt is, first of all, a climate change denier. He's in the pocket of the oil and gas industry. And for those who don't know, Oklahoma used to have earthquakes rarely. Now, thanks to fracking, uh, and Scott Pruitt is, you know, a person who's directly responsible for uh, the situation in Oklahoma. Earthquakes are a regular part of life in Oklahoma now. Not only do they have tornadoes, they have earthquakes. Thanks to the oil and gas industry. And uh, you can say thank you to Scott Pruitt for that, folks. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm not going to disagree. He is in the pocket of big oil, uh, and he is a climate change denier. You know, he wrote an op-ed, uh, I guess, a couple of months ago. And in it, he said there's no scientific consensus uh, that uh, global warming is man-made. Well, yeah, I guess he's right. Only 97% of climate scientists think that's man-made. Is that other 3%. But, you know, this guy is diametrically opposed to everything that EPA does. And I think it's Donald Trump's attention, basically, to kill EPA. Uh, and if he wants to kill EPA, Pruitt's the perfect guy to do it. And Trump was in Louisiana today and, and made a point of saying he wants to take away the regulations, get rid of the regulations on the oil and gas industry. And bringing in Scott Pruitt, that clearly is a shot across the bow of Democrats. Are we going to stand up for the people of America and stand up for environmental protection or just let this guy take office? And another thing I'm wondering, Brad, I'd love you to weigh in on, why is Trump doing this? And I say that because Trump flip-flops all the time. Nobody calls him out on it. Nobody seems to care. Um, is Trump really like uh, – uh, Trump really believes climate change is a hoax. So therefore and, – and, and Trump hates regulations of any kind because he's a millionaire, billionaire, and people don't like oversight when they're you know heading multimillion-dollar corporations. I understand that. Uh, but he's also anti-environment? Yeah, well, I think personally – Let's let's face it, Donald Trump uh, is a narcissist, and that was before he ran for president. Now he's been elected president in the United States, and I think he's feeling full of himself. And so what he's doing, I think, is basically he's just uh, he's just uh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, screwing with the people that opposed him uh, during the campaign. So uh, the environmentalists uh, were horrified at a Donald Trump presidency, so he appoints someone uh, who's going to dismantle environmental protections. Uh, educa- you know, teachers, uh, you opposed me during the campaign, so I'm going to appoint someone who hates public schools to be Secretary of Education. I just think he's trying to shove it to the people who opposed him during the campaign. And appointing Jeff Sessions as Attorney General is a perfect example of that. I mean, it's his shot at uh, racial minorities in America, making a racist like Jeff Sessions Attorney General. I mean, some, some Democrat... Democratic senator has to filibuster. We need two or three Republican senators to stand up for what's right and stop somebody like Sessions becoming attorney general, stop Pruitt from taking over the EPA. We, we need to pressure these people, including Republican senators, to do what's right. Well, you know, the problem here is that all these people are going to get confirmed. I can tell you right, that right now. And it's simple arithmetic. There are 52 Republican senators, and they're all going to support these cabinet choices, uh, and they're all going to get ratified by the Senate. And there's not much Democrats can do about it. Uh, they've been hollering and screaming for days, for weeks, about some of these cabinet appointments. But the reality is they don't have the votes to stop them. Okay. Well, uh, uh, well, hopefully the people, hopefully the people will stand up against uh, these representatives and let their voices be heard about this. Contact your congressman. Contact your senator. Let them know what you think. All right, I agree with you there. Let's continue with the calls and let's go next to uh, Dean in Buffalo, New York, on line three, um, who follows us on Facebook and we interact with people online like Facebook and Twitter. Dean, thank you for your call, question or comment for Brad and I on this issue of Donald Trump's nominations. Well, um, I want to start off by being cordial and say, great show today, as always. Thank you. Um, Okay, there's one um, appointment nominee that I thought was really funny, and that's Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWE's wife, Linda, being named... um, um, head of the um, Small Business Association. Yes, Linda McMahon, who is married to Vince McMahon, the head of the WWE, the wrestling organization. Um, and, and why does this um, particular uh, and we we didn't mention that one? Thank you for uh, I must have missed that on my list. Um, why um, why does this particular appointment um, or nomination bother you, Dean? Well. Um, Billionaires don't exactly seem to keep in mind the the will of the um, middle or lower class people. And when you hire somebody who's never been in charge of a small business and has uber amounts of money, it's it makes no sense whatsoever, and it really is concerning because you think to yourself, is Linda McMahon really going to know the um, thoughts and the struggles of, of a small business owner? Well, uh, you're right again. Uh 
two things about uh, her I think are troubling. Uh, first of all, as you said, she has no experience dealing with small businesses. Uh, the World Wrestling Federation is a multi-million dollar conglomerate. It's not even close to being a small business. The other thing that's very troubling about Linda McMahon, I think, is that during the campaign, she gave close to $6 million to a pro-Trump independent PAC, and uh, she's getting paid off for a $6 million investment right now. You know, my husband knows her personally. My husband was the doc, uh, one of the doctors, or well, he was the orthopedic surgeon for the WWE. Um, you know, I think it was west of the Mississippi on the West Coast, uh, you know, as a consultant, uh, not their only doctor. He has a practice or whatever. But there was an internal medicine guy and, you know, I think a dentist like they have with hockey. But he was in charge with orth- orthopedics and you know, he used to take, you know, my kids and other people to see them. It's not my thing. Um, but but they actually did, what do they call it? Not a smackdown. They turned her upside down in the ring and, of course, fake, but it looks real. Smashed her on her head. And Vince McMahon was upset because it didn't look real enough and they didn't smash her hard enough or something. And all of a sudden we're seeing her name in the cabinet of the United States of America in this next presidency. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around that. No pun intended. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but other than that, and I asked, uh, I asked, um, you know, my husband, I said, you know, what'd you think of her? And he said, um, he goes, she, she's a tough lady. Yeah, she's tough. Um, and I guess you'd have to be married to Vince McMahon, <laughs> you know, and be in that family and be in that business. But again, you're right. She de- they don't live in the real world. You know, a lot of people said that about Hillary Clinton and certainly about Donald Trump. They don't live in the real world, the world that we all live in. You know, uh, the world of clipping coupons or, you know, the the world of, you know, just like, you know, during the break, it's sort of like I'm going to be on TV tonight. And, you know, uh, the lady, you know, my nanny slash babysitter couldn't pick my kids up. And it's like, can I pick my kids up and bring them to Fox? And where are they going to sit when I'm on TV and have to call a backup? You know, these are not things that people in that <clears throat> where they live in, you know. You know, you know, uber rich uh, community in Connecticut uh, fully uh, understand. Um, okay, continue with the calls. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. When we finish with the call, that's your cue to call through. We just went through a bunch of calls. Pick up the phone and join us. Uh, speaking of continuing, Brad, we do have some other things that you and I were planning on discussing today. Uh, we talk about the cabinet picks. We talked about what it reveals. We talked about uh, what we've learned from these cabinet picks so far and how much deregulation uh, ahead. This shows and how the EPA pick signals 180 degree shift for the agency and that Donald Trump. uh, Well, let's let's talk about that. Donald Trump is not taking the number of intelligence briefings that normally a person would at this time as president elect. Is it true that he's taking intel briefings only once a week? Uh, Brad, tell us um, if this is true and why this is a concern other than the obvious. Well, the concern is he knows nothing about national security to begin with. And he's not willing to learn anything about it. Otherwise, he'd be taking, you know, more, you know, intelligence briefings every morning. And, you know, that brings us to another guy, uh, the guy who's going to be in charge of running national security in the White House is a former Army General, Mike Flynn, who's both an anti-Semite and a hater of Muslims. And, and you couple him with a president who knows nothing about national security issues and doesn't even want to learn, uh, that's pretty scary. Uh, and these people, these two guys are going to be running our foreign policy, and they know, and it's going to be, that's 
the thing I worry about most is the president has the most power in foreign policy because Congress generally lets the president run foreign policy. And here you have a president who knows nothing about it, and because he's not taking his briefings every morning, doesn't want to learn anything about it, and his foreign policy, chief foreign policy advisor is a guy who's an anti-Semite and hates Muslims. At least he's an equal opportunity hater. And these are the people who are going to be responsible for keeping America safe. I think it's fair to be pretty scary here. Okay. Um, we are going to continue with the topics here, and I, I want to uh, switch over um, to the DNC because uh, there's, you know, a lot of people say that the Democrats are in a hot mess right now. I've said that. We are a hot mess, I think. Uh, there's certainly a lot of division. Uh, Keith Ellison has pledged to resign his position in Congress if elected DNC chair. I honestly think this is a good idea, and not just for, uh, re- uh, not just for Congressman Ellison but also for anybody who has this position. Shouldn't the DNC chair be a full-time job, and shouldn't they devote 100% time and attention to that position, Brad? Oh, absolutely, and I've had some experience working with DNC chairs, uh, and it's absolutely a full-time job. I don't see how, you know, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz was, uh, uh, was DNC chair, uh, but, and she didn't have the time to devote to it because most of her energies, as they should be, were devoted to representing her constituents in Congress. You can't do both jobs, and uh, if uh, Keith Ellison is going to be the DNC chair, I'm glad he made this decision because it's impossible to do both. The DNC needs a full-time chair who's got his you know, hands on the pulse of politics in this country. Talk to me about uh, Keith Ellison. I like him. Some people upset with connections to Nation of Islam um, and certainly comments they have made. Uh, they've had some, uh, you know, Louis Farrakhan and his former right-hand man back in the day, Khalid Abdul-Muhammad, um, uh, very, very um, uh, anti-Semitic uh, statements that have been made. And Chuck Schumer has no problem with Ellison. So let's separate fact from fiction in this uh, age of fake news. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Ellison is uh, uh, the only, I think is the first and only Muslim ever to be elected to Congress uh, in his younger days when he attended the University of Minnesota, which I have a degree from. Uh, he was a strong fo- follower of Louis Farrakhan, and there's all sorts of anti-Semitism, uh, you know, from that direction. Now, Ellison said the other day in an uh, op-ed he wrote for the Minneapolis paper uh, that he, his, uh, he, supporting Farrakhan was a major mistake. Uh, so he's trying to get out from under it. Uh, and he's in a pretty strong position, though. Uh, yesterday, uh, 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 the AFL-CIO endorsed Trumpka, which is a big deal. Uh, Bernie Sanders has uh, endorsed uh, Ellison. Uh, you mean the AFL-CIO endorsed Ellison? Trumpka's the head of the AFL. Right, right, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> but, the, you know, major power players have come in uh, besides, uh, besides, you know, for Ellison, which puts him in a strong position. I think there's only one thing that can stop him from being the DNC chair. Uh, there's a lot of talk uh, about a guy who's a frequent guest on your show, uh, the Secretary of Labor, Tom Perez. I love him. And uh, there's a lot of talk that he's going to get in the race. And if he got in the race, uh, I think he'd really give uh, Ellison a run for his money. And, 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 and quickly, the, quickly before we break, Brad, what, 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 what would you say are the 
are, are the benefits of either of these individuals heading the DNC. And I ask because some people feel that Ellison will bring the party more to Bernie's way and that will alienate some of the, you know, Hillary uh, supporters, even though Bernie and Hillary agree on most things. It's not 100 percent there. No, and I think it, this struggle, if Perez gets in the race, and there are rumors that he will, uh, I think it will be a struggle between the Bernie people and the Clinton people who, who are with, uh, with Perez. In fact, I think it's the Clinton people who are pushing him to run. Uh, so, yeah, that, it, it's a battle between the Sanders wing and the uh, Clinton wing, and that's what it will become. And uh, that's not great, because the Sanders people and the Clinton people need to come together, uh, but they each uh, have a strong favorite in this race, uh, and that troubles me, because the DNC chair is supposed to bring the two wings of the party together, not drive them apart further. But I want uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this and ponder this question. If you could, Brad, I love Tom Perez, secretary of labor. But some people might say to head the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, you need to be a strong Democrat who's held office and run for office and knows those challenges that come up, especially when an election year comes around. And we've got midterms in a couple of years and we need a way to get Democrats out to vote. Also, I like inclusion. I like the fact that Ellison is a Muslim, but does that help or hurt Democrats' cause uh, to get people out to vote and to get more people to come over to the left? We'll be back with Brad Bannon. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's my co-host. And you, you want to join us one more segment, you can join us at 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543, or tweet. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon, co-hosting here on the only True Democracy in Talk Radio. Brad, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We've got a lot of things we're talking about. So talk to me about Ellison and Perez. Who's uh, good and why? Um, Because I wanted to touch upon that. And does Keith Ellison being Muslim matter? I know it shouldn't, but does it? Well, uh, I suspect it does to some people. Um, You know, I have a you know feeling that you know one great thing about uh, Ellison, you know, being the DNC chair, it's our way of shoving it at Trump. Uh, and you know, he's a capable man. Uh, he's run for office every two years, uh, which means he probably knows you know how to run the DNC. Uh, Perez also is a great guy. Uh, he was on Hillary Clinton's shortlist to be her vice presidential running mate. Uh, I am pretty sure that if Hillary Clinton had won, uh, Thomas Perez uh, would be the new attorney general, which is a great improvement over Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Uh, so he's a great guy. Uh, he has run for office. He was uh, up until 2002, I think. Uh, he was the chairman of the Montgomery um, uh, Montgomery County, Maryland uh, County Council, uh, but that's 15 years ago. And I think the trade-off here is you have Perez, who I think is you know a very capable guy, uh, as opposed to Ellison, uh, who runs for re-election every two years, which is closer to what the DNC chair really does. And by the way, I should mention this about Ellison. Uh, When he was first elected to Congress, uh, he's created a major stir among Republican House members uh, because he took the oath of office on a Koran, not the Bible. Uh, And there was a lot of controversy about that at the time. Uh, You know, I'd like to think Ellison 
you know, could be a successful. Yeah, I think some people are going to use it against him that he's uh, Muslim. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's a good reason for picking him uh, to run the Democratic Party, uh, to show our true colors, uh, to show we're not uh, racist or bigoted, and to contrast that with uh, Trump and his hostility okay. to Muslim Americans. Okay, thank so you so much, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Here. Thank you, Brad. We are out of time. Brad Bannon, thank you. Bannon Communications research owner and founder, contributor to The Hill and MyTiller.com, poli-sci prof at Salem State University. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you to Andrew and to Andrew, who's working with you today? Just you? I have a good me. I just you, buddy. Andrew, my great assistant producer. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll be back Monday.